in Acts 2, that's where um, the, the church is really birthed. Um, it's where the apostles are in the upper room and they um, are together and they're waiting for the gift that the Lord Jesus had said that he would give them once he's left. And then the Holy Spirit comes and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's this big commotion of wind and tongues of fire and the earth is shaking and they're violently speaking in tongues. And it's all so loud that the people on the streets, they, they are like, you guys are drunk. What's happening up there? It's no reason for you to be this way. And then Peter, he goes down and he talks to the people and he, he rebukes them for saying that they were being drunk when they were but filled with the Holy Spirit. This was a brand new concept to them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes and says that the Bible, all throughout the um, Old Testament, that the, the gift of Jesus Christ was prophesied and the gift of the Holy Spirit was, being, was prophesied. It was something that was not new to them. And then he says to them the verse in Joel where he says your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and and then I will pour out my spirit among all flesh and then he talks about David and David how David wasn't talking about himself that he would not see decay he was prophesying the coming of Jesus and he just he does this really really awesome sermon about um the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift that the, the cross brought to, to us. And then he says, the Bible says, and I love um, in the New King James Version, I love that it says that those who were outside when, when Peter had talked to them, after he had said all these things and given them these revelations, it says there that they were cut to the heart. They were like, oh, because Peter said to him, that's the same Jesus that you guys sentenced to death. And they're like, oh, wow, I, received, like, I really received that revelation right now. And then um, they, they go as far as to say, Peter, what can we do? What do we do now? And Peter says to him, repent, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And then they do it straight away. And then it says that there's this last bit that I really want to touch on. But then it says that once they did that, they repented, they were baptised, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 3,000 souls were added to their movement in that moment. But the bit that I actually want to really touch on is, is, is the last bit of Acts chapter 2. And it's from verse 40 down to 47. Um, but you need to know all the, the stuff beforehand to, to really grasp the, the end bit here. Um, what I really wanted to talk about, and I'll read it out to you now, is from verse 40 it says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptised. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together 
and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now the two things I really want that really stood out to me in this in that that section was right after everyone repented and were baptized and received the Holy Spirit, um, there were three thousand of them added to the church. The one bit that really stood out to me from forty to forty seven is a section in verse forty three where it sees where it says that um where it says that fear came upon every soul. And if you read that in a few different translations, a lot of them say fear, or some of them say awe, and some of them say reverential fear. And I find that so interesting that as they received the Holy Spirit, they received a fresh revelation of the holiness of God. And who he fully is in all his entirety. Because now not only are they seeing God and they're, they're, not only do they have their stories from their ancestors to look on, but they can see the very wonder of God at work in their midst. They can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in their hearts daily and they can feel the Holy Spirit moving inside of them. And it's interesting that these were Jewish people. These were Jewish people. They already had a fear of the Lord. But whoever it is, I'm I'm pretty sure it was Luke that wrote Acts. But Luke really wanted you to know that a fresh awakening of the Lord fell on them. Not only did they receive the Holy Spirit, that they were awakened to the might and the wonder and the awe and powerfulness of God the Father. And that really, that was just really great to me because as I believe that we are in the midst of a move of the Lord and we are seeing God do things that we haven't seen in years, especially in this church. I've been in this church for about 14 years now and we've seen things in the last year or two that we've never, I've never seen since I've been here and God is on the move. He is doing something and I believe that as we experience the Holy Spirit, as we experience His, His fire in us and upon us and He's manifesting Himself in, front, in, in a way, in miracles, in signs and wonders, we are going to get a fresh revelation of the Lord. We are going to see our Lord and our Saviour in a new light. Because I feel like often we look upon Jesus and we are so grateful for Jesus. We are so grateful for the gift of Jesus and we know that he is our comfort, he is our friend, he is our brother, but he is our Lord. And often we forget that. We focus so much on the friendship of Jesus Christ. And that is beautiful. That in itself is beautiful. But he is also our Lord. He is still mighty. He is still on the throne. He still went down to hell to get the keys for you and I to have eternal life. That is our Lord Jesus. And that is the revelation that we are going to catch as we move with the Holy Spirit. Not moving ahead of the Holy Spirit, but as we follow him 
and his guiding. And I feel like that is something that God really wanted us to, to be prepared for. He's going to pour out a weight on us, his heavenly weight, and it's going to be glorious. Um, and we're going to see him in a new and exciting way. But the second thing is the thing I really want to t- touch on the most today. And the second thing that I really stood out to me is from 2042, um, sorry. <clears throat> it says there, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking bread and in prayers. And then again from 46 to 47. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily. It's really interesting to me that Luke, the author of Acts, wanted you to know exactly how the believers spent their time. He didn't, he didn't just say, they, were, they repented, they were baptised, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the church grew and then they went from place to place. No, he wanted you to know exactly how they spent their time. And I believe that that is key for us, community. So I titled my message, A Community for Kingdom. Um, because as they continued steadfastly in that doctrine and in the fellowship and in breaking bread, I can, you can kind of see that's exactly, we do that. We break bread every Sunday. We have open house. We go from house to house. We have prayer meetings. But they're not always well attended. Um, and I believe that there is a key to fellowship that, that has... Wait, there's something about fellowship and believers coming together that holds weight. It brings something spiritual to the table. Um, and they, they were baptised, but then they fellowshiped. And in their fellowship with one another, they prayed. In their fellowship with one another, they glorified God. In their fellowship with one another, they started to worship. In their fellowship with one another, the Lord got all the glory. And then the Lord added to the church daily. Again, there's something about fellowship that brings people into unity. And that reminded me of a a psalm. Psalm 33 verse 1 to 3 where it says, Behold... How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. How good and pleasant it is for the brethren to be in unity. For there the Lord commanded a blessing. That is, that, like I can just leave it there and we can carry on with the rest of the service. But the very word community, and and this is how the world, this is without a Christian perspective, the world defines community as a group of people who have something in common 
and are in one accord. And they gather because of this theme that they have in common. So if that's how the world sees it, how much more when it's the believers of Jesus Christ gathering together with the Holy Spirit in common. When believers get together in fellowship, there is relationship. But more than that, there is a spiritual unity that comes. There is a desire to be in one another's company and together achieve his will and not our own. Together we strive to die to self to glorify the Lord. Um, and we, when, when we start surrounding ourselves with the right people, with people that love God and love his word, we start to catch something that's far beyond our natural understanding. Amen. Sometimes we think that we are, I'm a strong Christian um, it doesn't matter if I don't go to church. It doesn't matter if I don't go to groups because I'm a strong Christian. I can surround myself with people who are not of God and I won't allow that to affect me. But I think that that's not true. I think that that's why the Lord says we definitely need to go out and preach the gospel. But I think there's a reason why the Lord wanted us to know that when we are in community, that's where there's unity. That's where you're str- we grow stronger. Um, and verse 44 reminds us of what happens when we're in that space. Because it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. And I don't know about you, but I don't often hear that. How often do you hear about people, a group of people coming together, having everything in common? Like that to me is just, that is no way that in the natural that would have happened. There's no way that without the Holy Spirit in common for one accord that that would happen. And then they go even further and they pull all their possessions and divide them among the people who had nothing. And it wasn't something that was commanded by a leader. It wasn't something that was preached at them. Jesus preached it while he was alive. He said, feed my sheep, clothe my lambs. But no one told them to do that. It is when the Holy Spirit dwells within us, he connects us to one another. He connects us to that revelation. And we together, without needing someone up here to tell us what to do, the Holy Spirit guides us and it becomes a holy decision that we make as the body of the the church. Um. But when people start to be steadfast in the word and they gather together and they pray, we are reminded that there is a world beyond self. There is a need that goes beyond our own and beyond just the people that we know. And in the world today, it's like the devil is trying to make it so that we are okay, but not we, so that we are okay. And you might be a good person if you can provide a need for a family member or a friend, but you need to always be in check that you are okay. When that's not what God wants, that is not what God has intended for us. The devil wants us to be concerned with self. He wants to isolate us to the point where we are all we have. And we are not 
in community with one another. We are not talking about the word of God anymore. But here we can see that the word says, that God himself says, we need to look beyond self and prioritize relationships with each other as well as a relationship with the Lord. And there the Lord commands the blessing. And there the Lord grows the church. And there the Lord is glorified. Community isn't just a gathering where we have some light conversation and a cup of coffee after the service. It goes so much further than that. Community is a, and fellowship is a space where we connect heart to heart. And it's a space where we learn to pray for one another. Ephesians 6 verse 18. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of scriptures. You can go look them up if you like. But in Ephesians 6 verse 18, we learn to pray for one another. We share testimonies. That's in Psalm 22, verse 22. We learn to forgive one another. Matthew 6, verse 14 to 15. We learn to correct one another. That is Galatians 6, verse 1. We learn to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. We learn to serve one another. Galatians 5, verse 13. And we learn to flow in our giftings. And that's 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Now please understand, I'm not standing up here telling you to come and join me and live in a combine and sell everything you have and we can be a nice community together. Doesn't that sound nice? No. <laughs> no, I do like my own space sometimes. Um, no. That's not what I'm trying to say, but what I'm trying to explain today is that there is something that happens when believers come together. There is something that happens when we start to fellowship beyond the Sunday services. There is a unity that forms that's not easily broken, and that brings about the good for the kingdom. And it brings about a community for the kingdom. It brings about God being glorified in every conversation. And that is the goal. That is what we have in common. We want God to be glorified now and forevermore. And I truly believe, like I said before, and Rena said as well, um, we are at the beginning of a move of God. And I also... In my personal opinion, I don't know what you think, but I believe that we are right in the beginning of a move of God. We have churches that all around Australia that are prophesying into our church that God is on the move in River City and he is about to do something here. But in order for us to walk out this call of God as sons and daughters, we need to unite as brothers and sisters. Um. Because walking in the adoption of sonship doesn't just mean that we are sons and daughters. It makes us brothers and sisters. It means that you and I carry an identity that has the capacity to be cultivated into unity. And has the capacity to have all things in common. Being in community is a call from God. We were called, God did not call us to do this journey alone. He did not call us, he gave us the Holy Spirit so that he could be our guide and our comfort. But he did not call us to do this alone. 
I mean, right in the beginning in Genesis 2 verse 18, he says, that the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. God knew that it is not good for us to do this journey alone. We need a family. We need a gathering. We need to be strengthened. We need to be encouraged. And we need room to grow. That's what happens, isn't it? Iron sharpens iron. Isn't that the saying? Um, and I just wanted to, while I was doing my research for the message today, I was in conversation with my mum. Oh, I love talking to my mum. Almost every conversation we have turns scriptural and spiritual, and it's just, it's just great. Um, but we're talking about it, and we're talking about community, and we're talking about he- heavenly community, not just community for the sake of having community, but a community that joins together and is united to see God's glory here on earth. And then we, as we're talking, we're like, oh, there's another great example that comes in Acts 6, verse 1 to 7. And it's the story um, of, I'll I'll just read it, sorry, I'll read it, I won't paraphrase it. Um, Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we might appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves over over continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and they ha- and they had prayed, they had lands, laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And I just wanted to highlight one thing: when this issue was brought before the apostles, they didn't go, oh, well, someone sort it out, please. They said, this is important. They said, we need men that are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need men that have a good reputation and we need men that are wise to fill this task. They had a criteria that they were looking for. They weren't just looking for people to fill the job because they could see the importance of what they were asking of these men. It wasn't just feeding and distributing to their widows. There was something about what they were about to do that was going to bring about glory. And it did because the Lord added to the church again. Once they, they sorted out the issue, the Lord added to the church. It caught on. The Word of God spread through the act of community being done. And the apostles didn't dismiss the service of that. They needed these men to be on the same level as what they were on. They didn't dismiss the ministry. They said, we are called to go out. But some of you are not called who are on the same level as us. And there is a greater ministry here for you. And the apostles 
Um, and the people who were filled with the Holy Spirit did such a great job that whatever happened, whatever happened in that fellowship, whatever conversations they were having, whatever testimonies they were sharing of, of being together, because they took so much time to explain that Stephen was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a faithful man. And later on, it talks about how much authority Stephen carried. So imagine her being in a fellowship with someone like Stephen. I'm sure they prayed for each other. I'm sure they believed with each other. I'm sure they encouraged each other. I'm sure they helped each other out on their walks daily. Because when someone comes and does that, you can't but help. To catch, you can't but help to tell people, "Hey, we joined. The, we joined this really great group. We got fed, but we got fed. We got fed. It wasn't just that our bellies were fed; we were fed. And then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then the Lord added to the church. And it's kind of like God goes, "Oh, great." You guys have learned to get along. You guys have learned what it means for for believers to come together. You've learned what it means to truly care for one another. You've learned what it means to pray for one another. You've learned what it means to be brothers and sisters with one another. Now I can add to your number and now you can teach them how to love one another. You can teach them how to pray for one another. You can teach them about the giftings, about the Holy Spirit.